the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. Stress levels being what they are right now, it's probably not advisable to spring too many shocks on ageing ship owners. But a surefire trick to get anyone's attention in an interview is to drop in the dreaded acronym of the US Treasury's Office of Foreign Asset Control. OFAC, as the response generally goes, has been keeping the shipping industry on its toes with a somewhat mercurial approach to sanctions enforcement. But with the long-anticipated release of industry guidance last week, the Trump administration has at least managed to clarify the long list of things it won't tolerate. It's quite a substantial document, and even amidst this newfound approach to transparency, it's fair to say that the shipping industry would be well advised to take what lawyers euphemistically refer to as a risk-based approach. Joining me to decipher what this all means this week, I have our markets editor, Michelle Vesey-Bockman, and our resident tiger at the throat of the insurance industry, David Osler. Welcome to the podcast, chaps. Hi, Richard. Michelle, let's start with you because you've been covering this for some time. To some extent, this isn't really telling us anything we didn't really know already. We've been well aware that the US don't like people trading with the likes of uh, North Korea, Venezuela, Syria. Um, What does this guidance tell us that we didn't know already? Well, the the backstory to this um, guidance is probably just as interesting to what was released last week. Essentially, what this really does is group together a guide that addresses illicit shipping and sanctions evasion practices, and it sort of outlines deceptive shipping practices. And there's really nothing new in there. And there's recommendations, and and this is what we're you know you need to be aware of. But really. This was meant to be a much tougher and harder hitting document. This was meant to mandate and insist on policies and procedures that really the feedback from the industry was would paralyze international trade. So it's a much softer document and it's also putting together all in one place, really, you know, a myriad of um, advisories and clarifications that have been issued, especially over the last three to four years. Dave, in terms of the response from the the P&I clubs and, and, and the insurance sector, again, probably no surprises there um, for, for what they should be looking out for. But interesting in terms of the, the tone and uh, what do you think the response has been from that side of the fence? Well, obviously, sanctions busting has been going on um, ever since sanctions have been going on. So, yeah, in, in a sense, there is nothing new here. Um, I think the moral dilemma, though, is how you counterbalance the ethical and sometimes legal duty of client confidentiality with the explicit requirements here to tell the authorities and indeed to tell uh, rival companies. Um, I I think that's that's going to be difficult for some. Mm. Well, they did put in language there that 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 said, you know, where applicable, where you don't break the law. And I mean, this, I think, reflects what I was saying earlier, Dave, in the sense that they did want to mandate and insist upon all P&I clubs, for example, must notify everyone else when they've got to cancel a vessel because of suspected illicit activity. But of course, you know, there are, um, you know, obviously laws outside the US where this isn't possible. And the language here is very nuanced and it doesn't... um, it, it, it addresses those concerns, but it doesn't insist upon it. 
And I think this is the important thing, because, you know, as you've been alluding to, there is there is something of a chasm between what the US authorities wanted and what ended up being issued. And that was largely a success on the part of, I would argue, some of the industry uh, advisors that they approached with an original draft explaining the consequences of what might happen if they were quite so um, uh, vociferous in their approach to some of the original guidelines. But it, it is interesting, I guess, that, uh, you know, although this is this is guidelines and, and it's tempered with language that uh, can be read a, a number of ways, I guess, the the intention on the US uh, side is very much still towards that maximum pressure campaign. And they they are going to be gunning for um, anybody who is in breach of what they see to be, uh, you know, sanctions busters or, or anybody that is dealing with sanctions busters. And to that extent, the shipping industry really does need to pay attention to this. Yeah. Well, it is always just, as you say, going to be a tightrope walking act, isn't it? It's a big step to publicly declare that you believe somebody is breaking the law, um, not least from a libel point of view, I would have thought. Mm. Well, well, I think the other thing to note, too, is that there is an emphasis here, like the greatest emphasis I've seen on the use of um, AIS, automatic identification system transponders that are used for vessel tracking. Now, essentially, this is a collision avoidance tool. And I know that um, in the discussions prior to this being released, there was a lot of concern that just because a vessel disables its AIS, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's engaged in deceptive shipping practices. You know, it's, it's not a, 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 a fail-safe solution. And so what I do think will happen now is I think there will be the rapid evolution of programs and packaged AIS solutions to ship owners and charterers that will allow them to be able to tick boxes and say, you know what, I've complied, I've I've engaged this um this program or solution that notifies me if if any, you know, vessel that I'm involved with turns off its AIS and is involved and possibly involved in in this activity. Um, I think I don't think that's going to be an effective way to um, identify those that that break sanctions. I think we all, you know, everyone knows who who is doing what. Um, but nevertheless, I I think that um, there's going to be a lot of um, box ticking exercises um, implemented into risk compliance programs. Mm. Yeah, you you raised some good points there, Michelle. And um, as you say, I, I suspect the authorities probably do pretty much know the full extent of the problem. Um, it's obvious that shipping activities involving sanctioned countries are being monitored extremely closely. You, you've only got to look at some of the level of detail in uh, some recent US official publications. And most of it, it does seem to be being caught. I mean, it's not, not a tip of the iceberg situation where lots of people are getting away with it under the counter. Um, no. Yeah, I, I guess OFAC does know what's going on. No, unless you are a bottom feeding dealer of illicit coal to the uh, North Korean authorities, it's, it's very unlikely that you should be overly concerned about a direct impact on your uh, risk register. It's more a case of those companies that are inadvertently caught up in a, in a web. And generally for these illicit activities to happen, other companies have to either turn a blind eye or at least engage in activity that is to be deemed grey area by some. 
and do so out of the, uh, uh, the line of sight of uh, the authorities. So th there is there is a, an aspect here of the shipping industry basically being uh, issued a shot across the bows and told you need to be aware of who your customers are and you need to be aware of who is doing what. And, and to that extent, the shipping industry is going to have to apply an approach to transparency and risk mitigation that perhaps it wasn't always used to. You know, and interestingly, Richard, that know your customer approach, they it appears from how I read the the um, advisory is they're now extending that to flag state authorities and to port authorities. So it's not enough now for, you know, the commercial industry to know their customer. Basically, they're saying, you know, if you're a port authority, you need to know who you're dealing with. And I think that may be that may be interesting because it will allow the US to perhaps pressure um, governments whose port authorities may be in some way helping or assisting in um, the transport of cargoes. And I'm referring especially to areas, you know, around Malaysia and Singapore, where there are ship-to-ship -ship transfers of um, uh, Iranian and Venezuelan crude, um, completely legal, of course, but nevertheless, these are practices that are allowing the regimes that these sanctions are aimed against allowing these regimes to to sell the oil. Um, so I think that's also something that um, to be looked at in these advisories. As, as you point out, Dave, I mean, the, the, the amount of people that are breaking these sanctions directly is probably relatively small. But if the overall impact of this is that the industry as a whole has to improve its transparency, uh, if flag states and open registers particularly have to be that much more forensic about the beneficial ownership of those that they, they are dealing with. That is in itself very interesting and does pose a number of questions for uh, a section of the industry that perhaps has been um, persistently dodgy in terms of uh, its uh, somewhat grey area practices. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm slightly more cynical than you here, Richard. I mean, if it's a case of... Uh, Dear leader, shipping co of Pyongyang buying a vessel that was due for scrap anyway, um, running it on fake papers and doing deals with governments that uh, are frankly unconcerned about attracting the ire of the US. Um, it's difficult to see how it's going to be stamped out. Well, true, true. I mean, just going back to the, the, the guidance and Michelle, you've been speaking to a number of lawyers about, you know, how they're interpreting you know the impact of this this isn't just a flash in the pan is it this is this is this is a long-term uh, piece of guidance for the industry as far as the lawyers are concerned i think that beyond november after the presidential election these sanctions will not evaporate even though some of the the more um stringent um elements of it such as the iranian sanctions they may it may soften but i think you know, you're going to find that this guidance and this way of of um, implementing U.S. foreign policy is going to remain. And that's partially because it's been so effective. If you look at um, Venezuelan oil production and exports, you know, at the lowest level in decades, Iranian exports of oil absolutely crippled, you know, like a tenth of what they were five or six years ago, you know, before when there were no sanctions on. So these these are incredibly effective. Um, mm. And so I can't see them can't see them being lifted. No. And as we started off 
you know, <laughs> alluding to the, the, the OFAC ambiguity is not necessarily something that's going to go away precisely because the guidance is there essentially to keep the industry on its toes. It is, as I mentioned, you know, a little mercurial in the way that it will sanction some entities, but not others. And I think that is generally accepted by the legal fraternity to be deliberate in the sense that they are wanting people to be on their guard. Uh, you know, shipping industry knows it's in its crosshairs. Uh, the question is, you know, how much risk mitigation it needs to apply to certain practices, I guess. And of course, the other the, the other thing to mention here is that we are talking about US sanctions. This is not an international set of sanctions, but by definition, if you are potentially going to be locked out of the US uh, financial system as a result of being in breach of these sanctions, that has an international consequence and therefore shipping as a dollar denominated business largely uh, is looking at this as an international issue rather than a national set of uh, sanctions being imposed by the US. And of course, that's that is the only way to look at it. I mean, you'll know that one of our colleagues this week was speaking to a ship owner from a European country, an EU member state who raised the point that he didn't consider himself to be breaking sanctions because there are no EU sanctions. Um, and you know, the very rub of these measures is the, the US's ability to enforce that ban on dealing with dollars, which is crippling for any shipping company. And there we shall leave it for this week. The story Dave was mentioning there at the end was that of Global Gas, the insolvent Spanish ship owner at the centre of a crew abandonment case, which had its class and insurance cut off over accusations that it had breached Iran's sanctions. For the sake of clarity, I should point out that a spokesman for the company had denied that they had breached any sanctions. Global Gas declared voluntary insolvency on March the 7th. Uh, and for details of the crew abandonment situation, head to loislist.com. Uh, for what is sadly an important story. Uh, before I leave you this week, could I urge all listeners of the podcast to register for the second instalment of our free Ask the Analyst webinar series. Uh, the Lawyers List team will be online next week on the 28th of May, 4pm Singapore time, 9am UK time. Concept is pretty simple. Uh, our experts will answer any questions you care to throw their way. Ideally, we want your questions in advance. That way we can prepare some detailed responses, but we will happily take questions live and give you our views on the stories shaping shipping. This month, we're focusing on Asia, although we will happily take questions on any aspect of the shipping industry. So far, we've received your questions on everything from the financing power behind China's lead in the yard race to the fate of Asia's seafarers as the industry struggles to smooth out crew change restrictions. You can add your questions by registering for free on the webinar links on the homepage of loyslist.com or in the podcast notes wherever you found this. I look forward to your questions, but for now, have a good week and thank you for listening.